Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You have tuned into the Daily Roundup on this, a Thursday, May 11th, 2023. I'm David Menzies, and my co-host, well, let me tell you a little bit about my co-host. Do you know what, folks? Today is National Twilight Zone Day, and my friend, she does not celebrate it because living in Canada, it's the Twilight Zone Every day, she is the she-devil with a spatula. She is the Khaleesi of the greater Coburg area. She is Tamara Ugolini. I, I had a pregnant pause there, Tamara, because uh, you have a different hairstyle. You, you look very corporate today. Uh, it's a very flattering look. Uh, it, it, Thank it you. It basically solidifies my theory that females make the best spies. You can change your look like that. What can a guy do? Put one of those phony baloney mustaches on or shave our head. But I digress. How you doing? And what's your favorite episode of the Twilight Zone, Tamara? You're always putting me on the spot with these culture. <laughs> I, I, I don't watch the Twilight Zone. Like you said, we're living in it. Um, we just have to try to persevere through each day here in Canada. And of course, on the live stream, it's kind of like an impromptu Twilight Zone because uh, you're never sure what you're going to get with David Benzies. <laughs> Well, you know what? I'm going to tell you my favorite episode, and I'm sure, going to tell please. you why I have the right answer. The name of the episode <laughs> is Walking Distance, and about 15 years ago, at the unveiling of the Twilight Zone attraction at Disneyland in California, I actually got to bump into Rod Serling's widow, and we had a great discussion. She was a lovely lady, and I said, he created so much work, and I know we... He had a great assessment of his work on The Twilight Zone. He said one-third were great, one-third were passable, one-third were dogs. And I said to her, what was Rod Serling's favorite episode? And she said, walking distance. Uh, you could have knocked me over with a feather. A beautiful episode. It makes me cry every time I see it. Yeah, that's right, folks. I cry. There is a softer side of Sears in my body. It's such a beautiful episode if you can find it. Watch it, Walking Distance. I strongly urge you to do the same. Tamara Ugolini. There you go. Well, I think that uh, we need photos or it didn't happen. We need some pictures or some video footage of David Menzies crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, no. Uh, I'm only crying uh, because, hey, I'm only human. You know, crucify me if you must. But the idea of video evidence going up with me crying. <laughs> You know, I run away to a closet. I don't even want my kids to see me cry, okay? I don't know well, if we want to hear you coming out of the closet, David. <laughs> yes, well, the day you'll see me publicly cry is when the Toronto Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup. In other words, I'll be mm. six feet under. <laughs> so I have no worry of that footage getting out. But we digress. Tamara Ugolini, yes, what okay. is the ostensible policy reason of what we're trying to do here? Oh, I don't know if there's a, a policy reason per se, but it's our way of dissecting and providing commentary on the news of the day. So if you're joining us at home, this is our daily live stream where, like I mentioned, we will dissect and comment on the news of the day and share uh, current happenings with our viewers at home. So we're streaming on a few different platforms. There's YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey, um, Getter, and Twitter. And I think I'm remembering all of them correctly because they've changed. Uh, and also on locals.com. So if you, depending on which platform you're on, you should see a description box if you scroll down to it. And it will, um, in, in there, you should be able to find a link to the locals platform. We're trying out this new platform. Um, and it's kind of like a one-stop shop where you can find all of our content. So let us know. We're happy to, we're open to your feedback. We want to know what our viewers think of that platform. Um, so scroll on over there and click and check it out. And then of course, on some of those platforms, unfortunately, no longer YouTube because they have demonetized us completely due to our wrong think and our questioning of uh, primarily the COVID narrative and some of the things that were hailed as safe and effective. So on Rumble, and uh, Getter, you can engage in with us by giving us a Rumble rant or a hyper chat. And so that's a fun way to support our independent journalism and also um, get some feedback from us or tip, give us a tip, uh, something that you think that we should dive into, look further into. Mm -hmm. So I encourage anyone who's not on one of those platforms, just head on over there and uh, shoot us some chats because we love to hear from our viewers and it helps keep the lights on. So 
Um, as David mentioned, I don't know if you said what day it was, David, but if I missed that, it's Thursday, May the 11th, and apparently it's National Twilight Zone Day. Um, so that's <laughs> that's always a good time. I'm always interested to know like just what what day is it today? What's David going to come up with? Um, it's always a fun way to to kick off the stream. But well, you, we also have you stumped me a couple Twilight of days Zone. ago on National Sleepover Day. I think your pajamas were still at the dry cleaners. But uh, <laughs> and by the way, I thought the deal was whenever we do the daily roundup together, Tamara Ugolini, you were going to drive know, in from the Coburg area and do it in person. You said you did. You said, why aren't you here? By the way, am I reminding you of one of your young children right now? <laughs> You know, we committed to Tamara Tuesdays. Anything more than that, I have commitment issues with. But the thing is, is that by the time you sift through the insane traffic on the 401, like it's a four hour round trip there and back for me to, to try to make it home. And then the last few Tuesdays, and for any of our viewers at home who, who might not know, I have young children at home. And so I actually didn't even see them. Like I saw them in the morning to get them off to their various spots. And then I didn't see them at all before they went to bed because by the time you navigate traffic and you try to get everything done in the office. Um, so it's a really long day, which I love. I love being in the office. I love joining you in person. I think that it it is definitely a better better commentary sitting side by side. Um, so it's great, but I have to limit it because at home sacrifices, you know, they, they, um, they suffer here at home when the mom's not there. So that's the reason why, um, I, I limit it to one or two days a week. So sorry to our viewers at home, but uh, that's my roundabout reasoning for why I'm hosting to, at home today. And um, it's because, let us reiterate, it is a four-hour round trip on the 401. Not exactly uh, the Shackleton expedition to Antarctica 100 years ago, <laughs> but... But you know what? I, I get it. The community can be. Well, and now that we have such great access to the technologies of the Internet, we you know, we have I have this new webcam, so might as well put it to good use, I suppose. Um, all right. So we we have our first news item of the day to share yes. with our viewers in case they aren't already aware, which many of you, I'm sure, are. We have the federal government has unveiled a new passport design. Um, so I guess <clears throat> out of necessity, we needed to take historical context and pictures and imagery out of our passport and instead replace them with more nature. How fitting for the uh, climate alarmism agenda that the feds moved forward with this. So here, yeah, we have, I think this is the CBC's article, which I had pulled up and now of course it's gone. Um, so it says Canada's passport is getting a makeover. So it already did with a new design that will feature more natural landscapes and wildlife and fewer Canadian historical moments and monuments. And uh, they tried to take the feedback of what Canada represents. Fraser said that's the uh, refugees and citizenship minister, Sean Fraser. And there's one part of this article that I wanted to point out on that exact note. It's that the... Um, the Royal Canadian Legion criticized, this is about halfway down the page, criticized the redesign for removing an image of the Vimy Ridge Memorial. And they quote, we are disappointed by the decision to remove an image that signifies the sacrifices made for the very sort of freedom that the passport provides, the Legion said in a media statement. And uh, so it's funny that <laughs> at the same time that the government is trying to improve their imagery, um, they're taking away imagery that symbolizes the exact reason why we are able to have the freedom of movement that the passport sort of encompasses. What an atrocity. <clears throat> Tamara, um, I'm going to call it like the umpire. I applaud the government for enhancing the security features of the passport. That's fine. Technology advances and we need to make sure that the right people are getting into the country. But here's the question I have for you, my friend. Why? Why remove the Vimy Ridge Memorial? Why remove the great Canadian hero, Terry Fox? It, this is, yet again, the blackface liberals eradicating Canada's history. I mean, come on, animals and seascapes and what have you. That is atrocious. It means nothing those landscapes could be basically any country in the same hemisphere that we're in. But there's only one Vimy Ridge Memorial. There's only one Terry Fox. Uh, God bless his soul. And I don't under, it's never been explained why you had to remove that. Uh, 
you know, in addition to putting in the enhanced security elements, you know, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at the cover. Here's my passport. It's incredible that the oh, coat of go. arms uh, existed. And like, look at these drawings. I mean, these aren't exactly, uh, and then Tamara, to me, they, they look like just one step removed from stick men, you know? I, like, I'm a crap artist. I could draw that if you gave me enough Yeah, the time. rainbows. There's so, a lot of uh, weird sort of modern new age imagery happening. But I think that the, the whole basis of the redesign, as you mentioned, David, was this new security feature. And if you go back to this CBC article, um, I guess about three quarters of the way down. So they detail what the new security features are. And it says that the new passport includes state-of-the-art security features designed to keep Canadians' identities safe, such as a polycarbonate data page, a technology similar to Canada's driver's licenses. And uh, the passport holder's personal information will now be laser engraved instead of being printed with ink, making the data page more durable and resistant to tampering and counterfeiting. And then you can see there that they have that visible chip and antenna. So yeah. it's, it's, it's literally a digitized passport. But, you know, Tamara, that aside, and whether, you know, and, and whether what, whatever side you're on in terms of the digitized passport, digitized currency, what have you, I'm just saying that if this was their directive to go ahead with this, fine. But why did it mean to erase Canadian history? to get rid of yeah. the Vimy Ridge Memorial and Terry Fox. That I don't understand and have these, mm -hmm. there's a moose uh, in there. Oh yeah, there's, what, what is that? A, a duck, I guess. Or goose. No, uh, it's the Canada it's Canadian goose. goose. You, you can barely tell. I understand there's a, a, an <laughs> illustration of a squirrel gathering nuts. And you know, it reminded oh, me. Very Canadian. Yeah, last month, Lady Menzoid <laughs> gave me this. It's a, a birthday card. It's your birthday. And as Scotty the squirrel would say, Look what happened. See it. He's he's moving his nuts up and down. It's like, a, why isn't this part of our Canadian passport? By the way, it says you're not old enough as long as you can remember where your nuts are. Happy birthday. I know where the nuts are. The cashews are on the top shelf next to the peanut butter. <clears throat> anyway, oh, Lady Menzies, Lady Menzies, is that this I don't is know insidious. if she I don't know if she consented to you sharing your birthday card. That's a the, <laughs> that's some personal information there, David. Well, the anyway, first thing I checked was you know, the price, eight ninety nine. That gets a thumbs up. Wow, how's that for inflation? <laughs> um, I, I think that the whole the whole idea that this redesign needed to happen was, of course, to implement this chip, this security chip, and further fuel the digitization of everything. We're all going to be interconnected into the internet of things. And if you aren't familiar with that technology or what I'm referring to, you can you can just quite literally take to any search engine and type in the internet of things. Um, but I think that the imagery and the, the removal of the historical context and features um, is kind of a distraction to that bigger issue, which is the moving forward with this digitization of everything, our, our whole society, the restructuring um, of our society to be digitally centric. And um, it, it's just further, like, this is what Marxists do really, though, is remove that kind of historical context, those figures, that imagery, and replace it with benign things like, like nature. And it yeah. really is all just related to the agendas that the liberals are pushing forward, this surveillance system, the surveillance state, but also under the guise of being you know, for the climate and look at us, we're Canada now, we have all this climate imagery in our passports. So we care and we want to be green and we want to respect the environment and the earth and the animals. And I'm not saying that don't <laughs> do any of those things, but it's all being used to usher in this surveillance state, tax people out of their yahoos and for what? So that the, the, the uh, oligarchs and the leaders can still jet set across the the country and the world and eat their filet mignon, have their steak. And we're supposed to sit at home with our chip and eat the bugs. And if we don't, then our social credit score is plummeting because we had too much beef this week. 
Yeah, you know what? Maybe yeah, that's a bit of a we'll, rant, but we'll all have one uh, social credit identity card. It's your everything, and uh, how better to keep control of us? By the way, the last illustrations yeah. that were going by. Is it just me, Tamara, but does that remind you of those cheesy black velvet paintings? You know, the all the bulldogs sitting around playing poker, smoking cigars. Um, you know, look look at that. I mean, <clears throat> that's what you, you go to the variety store if you forgot to buy mom a birthday present and all the malls are closed. And uh, this is what you buy for 20 bucks. And... Uh, you hope she's going to forgive you under the auspices of, well, it's the thought that counts. But yeah. um, that is uh, the Legion is well within its rights to be offended. I understand mm -hmm. they weren't mm -hmm. consulted about the dropping of uh, the Vimy Ridge uh, Memorial because they- Of course. <clears throat> Why would they? Oh, yeah. A Blackfoot, Blackface knows what's best for all of us, even those yeah. in the military and those who served and those who- paid the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah, blackface knows better. What a disgrace. I wonder if there's anything, I mean, they're getting public backlash on this, uh, Tamara. Mm -hmm. And I will mm -hmm. say it's apolitical. I see it on the left and the right that this is, I mean, who has a problem with the Vimy Rich Memorial? Who has a problem with Terry Fox? This mm -hmm. transcends political boundaries. And um, maybe... Uh, since they haven't started printing these, um, this can be addressed. There can be a fix. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it, we'll see what the media does. Usually the media is just the cheerleaders for whatever the government, especially the federal government, Justin Trudeau liberals, they just cheerlead whatever he does and fall in line and ask for more of whatever the flavor of the day is. So uh, maybe with some media pushback, we'll see. But what I'm also really interested in finding out here is just how much this redesign costs Canadians. Oh, so we had yeah, to implement this that. chip somehow, right? We had to, we had to, to develop this microchip into the passports. And so that would probably came with a hefty price tag, but just the graphic design on this alone. Um, I, I think that we have actually filed an access to information request and, for anyone who doesn't know, we do extensive access to information requests all the time to government and entities and institutions. Um, and so you can check out those reports at rebelinvestigates.com. And so usually it's about 30 days unless they try to filibuster it. I've had an access to information request take up to two years uh, to get back, which was to do with some deaths in long-term care throughout the COVID hysteria. Um, so this one, I would imagine, would be back within the month or so. But we have filed an access to information request, to my knowledge, uh, to find out just how much this costs Canadian taxpayers. And I think that these this has been an ongoing thing since um, the Conservative government was in. I think this has been in the works for about 10 years. So <laughs> that's... Oh, then, I, I don't remember where I read that, but um, it's not a new thing. Like this wasn't just unveiled, you know, in the last week or two. Oh, then Tamara, scratch my idea of a redo. If it took 10 years, uh, <laughs> I, I don't think uh, we have the appetite to wait till 2033. And one last thing on this before we move on, this whole idea of all these nature scenes, you know, with geese and squirrels and deer. Do any Canadians need to be reminded of the nature of Canada? I live in a very urban environment. Let me tell you, I see nature 24-7 at Casa Manzoid. Chipmunks, squirrels, <laughs> skunks. You know, I'm so underground with nature. There's a raccoon that has this habit of climbing up my shed in the middle of the night. I'm going to catch him one day, I swear. And he basically does his business on the roof of the shed, leaving his calling card. So uh, I, I reach out to our uh, viewers. Does anyone know one of those raccoon removal services? That That's my affinity with nature, okay? I don't want these critters on my passport. I'm already overwhelmed by them at my house, but we digress. We have, we have one uh, super chat here that I'll just get to before we change topics. It comes from Mike Freedom Honey. He gives $5. Thank you. He says, myself and other vets are quite pissed at the removal of the Vimy Ridge Memorial. We understand the need for a new passport, but trying to erase history is garbage. Again, it's literally what Marxists do. Hey, and um, I echo that, Mike. And by the way, Mike, I just received two days ago a beautiful package from you and Pedro, I believe, from Freedom Honey. I'm going to give you a proper shout out next week with Sheila. 
Uh, I'm going to bring in what you sent, T-shirts, calendars, um, Ooh, all, all themed uh, via the freedom uh, movement and the um, F. Trudeau movement. Oh, I'm so sorry, Aaron O'Toole. I didn't mean to offend your uh, suburban sensibilities there. But thank you so much. And I'll tell you, Tamara, that merchandise that Mike sent along, those T-shirts, the fabric is so soft. Wow. Um, oh, well, maybe we can get a so, connection. Thank is you it, to Mike. It's not made thank in you China. For the donation too. Um, okay, CSIS Canada. Um, CSIS oh, is committed to building a more inclusive future for all. Oh, here comes the word salad, folks. When gender-based <laughs> analysis plus, gender-based analysis plus, it, it sounds like, I don't know, some prostate uh, vitamin you'd buy at the health food store. Um, informs what we do and how we do it. It strengthens our efforts to protect Canada from a wide range of threats and better safeguard our rights and freedoms. Oh, you mean like uh, Chinese interference in the elections, like Chinese police stations operating in our dominion? Oh, yeah. Blackface is really hardcore on that file right now. I wonder what. Oh, yeah, that's right. A whistleblower from CSIS uh, came forward. And my, by golly, Tamara, Blackface is going to get to the bottom of this. Oh, not the Chinese interference in the police stations, but Who's the snitch? Who ratted me out? Um, this is <laughs> this is incredible. But gender-based analysis plus? I don't even know what that means. No. If there's anyone that ceases watching. <laughs> <WWF> <laughs> what does that also. mean? <laughs> what, Ga GBA plus. Gender... <laughs> you know, by the way, uh, when they were showing uh. images of the passport, don't mean to go back to it, but... I don't know if that's a real person or not, but I noticed it said sex and the initial F, uh, presumably for female. Uh, I wonder if that's changed too, Tamara. Can Ooh, I choose yeah. uh, O for other? You know, I don't know. We want to be inclusive and diverse after all, don't we? But at what point does F mean fluid instead of female? Oh, bingo. You're Well, this is why we pay you the big bucks, Tamara Ugolini. <laughs> yeah. Gender, F, F for, for fluid. fluid. <laughs> Yeah, that oh, is not there are a so many more that's ways you could go in with between, that. Apparently, <laughs> so um, yeah, uh, Tamara and I are stymied by gender-based analysis plus um, protocols. Please educate us, uh, especially if you know anyone at CSIS. Well, why don't we go to a video of blackface himself? Well, oh, go ahead. Yeah, Tamara. we have we have so we do have a video of blackface, but we also have a former <laughs> senior intelligence officer and manager at CSIS, oh. um, who just, just, I think earlier today, this was just cut. Um, he proposed jail time for foreign interference, um, allegations because he's equating it to treason essentially. So here, let's have a, a look at what he had to say. And, and this person again is former, um, so maybe he, he was no longer involved in CSIS because he doesn't agree with this gender-based analysis plus. <laughs> Why I'm suggesting that we should cut the numbers of diplomats in place here in Canada. There's no reason to have so many uh, diplomats with a country that doesn't want to do business with us. We have a trade deficit. Uh, we, we, we sold a company, uh, 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 Nexon, in Alberta, for $15 billion, we're not even capable to buy a corner store in China. So this discrepancy between the relationship doesn't sort of uh, generate or justified, I should say, to have so many diplomats, other than some people are favoring China for the wrong reason. Now you mentioned in, in your opening comments, a, a series of, of points kind of uh, to beef up our, our legal framework. The, the first one, you talked about a mandatory process for candidates for for staff um with, with a signed declaration with the threat of of criminal um criminal proceedings um what you know what sanctions would you propose in terms of the criminal uh, proceedings what uh, what you know how how strong of a of a yeah. jail time because we're close to treason here literally so i say jail time now the the, the size of the jail time uh, would be uh, uh, judged by uh, jurisprudence and by, by our system, but definitely jail time. No, no fine, no suspended sentences or anything of that nature. Just telling it like it really is. 
Oh, absolutely, Tamara. What do you think about blackface? Do you think he's uh, simpatico on jail time with all the interference? And let's face it, he knew about this, I think, years ago. He's only being proactive now because it's a matter of public record. We got Chinese police stations uh, in Canada, including not far from where I live at the, um, I'm not making this up, folks, the Toronto, Canada Fuking Business Association. I swear you can Google it. Yeah, they're operating a cop shop out of there. Um, I wonder if the RCMP get that courtesy in Beijing. Uh, what do you want to bet the answer rhymes with hero on the uh, percentage of that happening? Um, but Tamara, this is an outrage. And yeah, I think it does meet the benchmark of treason. Because when you are having our democracy interfered with that way, and here's the big question. We want to know what blackface knew and when did he know about it? Because then, I know treason, the big T word, it's a, <laughs> it's a high benchmark to prove. But if he was complicit with this, I think that falls into the bailiwick of treason too, Tamara. The absolute absurd thing here is that treason is a very strong, real threat to our national security. And instead of focusing on that very real valid threat, we are honoring gender-based analysis plus. (laughs) And so I wonder here if we made a complaint, not about treason, but about a gender-based, I don't know, I guess it would be a gender-based discrimination or some equal right, unequal rights for someone. Um, maybe if we complained that the Chinese police stations weren't doing diversity hires, then we could really launch a real investigation here. Yeah, you know, I wonder what the gender-based analysis plus software, um, what it recommended regarding, oh, I don't know, firefighters out in Alberta trying to put out wildfires, the idea that for virtue signaling purposes, let's have an all-female crew and watch the problem get exasperated. But um, yeah, I, I want to get my hands on this gender-based analysis plus. It's definitely it, worth a report. You, you know, the amount of wokeism and political correctness and virtue signaling, Tamara, even for something regarding our spy agency, which is ostensibly there to keep Canada safe and secure. I mean, it's egregious. Leave this crap for the gender study students on campus, okay? I don't care about gender analysis plus data. I want (laughs) our, you know, cops, our spies to be well-equipped to Mm -hmm. stand up to any bad actors in terms of foreign interference. But we know where blackface stands when it comes to the uh, dictatorship of China. He admires that dictatorship. He said so himself. Uh, By the way, he was ahead of the curve, I guess, with gender-based analysis plus, because he said that 10 years ago, uh, Tamara was at Sun News at the time, and he said it in Toronto to a female-only audience. Like, why are you doing this? (laughs) yeah yeah well i guess it worked out for him the first the last three times he uh won the election thank you canadians um we have a super chat here tool and andrew shear um yeah thank you no opposition yeah talk about snatching uh defeat from the jaws of victory um anyhow well, let's move on to more black. Well, we have we... one. Uh, we have one super chat here from ableist SL gives $5. Thank you. It sounds like CSIS is undergoing woke subversion like other federal agencies. Also, what are your thoughts on parents fleeing the country with their children to stop them from wrongfully transitioning? Oh, I, I, I can't think of a better reason, Tamara. Uh, <laughs> Save you know... the children. Well, no, sorry, did I understand that remark to get them transitioned or to avoid getting No, to trans- stop, yeah, to stop them from wrongfully transitioning. Yeah, well, you are a mother. Uh, if you mm-hmm. had a child who's a minor uh, and somehow he's being indoctrinated at school that she is a he or vice versa, uh, what steps are, would you take? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, and this is obviously just my personal opinion. First and foremost, you would pull them from whatever institution is promoting this madness. Um, there was, there is a, a former Canadian, I can't remember her name, but she, um, she, she does a lot of work on this file in the United States and um, her child was going through what was, you know, this gender confusion, because this is confusing for children when you start promoting these ideologies, which were traditionally reserved for academics and adults with fully functioning frontal lobes and their rational brain was developed. Um, now they are pushing these ideologies onto children. They're not really debating them anymore. It's kind of just being accepted as though it's truth and fact, whereas previously it had been reserved for you know robust debate and is this ethical and the gender, um, well, the critical race theory stuff was largely within the legal system, but the gender ideology came about kind of in a similar fashion. And this particular mom, who I, I'll have to see if I can pull it up quickly on, on Twitter, but she pulled her child completely out of the system. Stopped, they stopped going to this counselor, the school counselor, who isn't trained to handle actual psychological issues, by the way. They're just these like, they're supposed to teach children how to um, get scholarships or what kind of school to apply to. But now they're kind of meddling in this idea of gender ideology and identity, which are very complex psychological subjects. And anyway, this mom pulled her child completely from the school system. The child was also suffering with depression and eating disorders. And there was all these, these disabilities and comorbidities starting to happen and mental health issues. And all of that completely resolved within like, I think it was about a month. It wasn't even very long that it took this child to kind of recalibrate. And uh, this mom has now become a fierce advocate against these ideologies in creating the school system. Um, I think she's on one of the boards there and her child has not returned to the system. I think that her other child continues in, but is not being affected by any of this sort of radical, these radical ideals, ideologues. Um, so yeah, I think that's obviously a really harsh step that needs to be taken to really save a child from the destruction of gender transitioning, whether it be social transition, medical, um, full on body mutilation. This is really scary, concerning stuff that is unprecedented. We have never seen this before. And I think that you have to make those, those harsh changes and choices to save your children from, a future that they will likely regret, as we see now, it's just coming out uh, in this detransitioning phenomenon. You know what? Uh, you said something, I think, very profound, um, Tamara, which is you talked about the child having eating disorders, suffering from depression. Oh, yeah. And I think some of these young people, as well as in some cases, their parents think that having a sex change is going to be a utopia for the person. And guess what? You do the transition and you still have eating disorders. You still have depression. Yes. And that falls into your point about the, I guess, the detransitioning uh, movement. Uh, the point being, um, you know, with us being champions of freedom, you can really live your life in whatever identity you want. But it always comes down to age appropriateness for me, Tamara. Mm -hmm. And that is when you are too young to buy liquor and cigarettes and marijuana and even lottery tickets. I don't think you're in the right frame of mind uh, to say, I'm going to change my sex because that's going to make all my problems go away. So, exactly. you know what? I see we're past the halfway mark, so we got to go to an ad break and then we'll pick it up yes. with um, Justin Trudeau wading into the abortion debate. Oh, golly, I wonder what position blackface is going to take on this topic. Somebody who's the salt of the earth. Your teacher, your friend. Mothers look after their children and they fight for their rights, even if it doesn't affect them, you're, we're fighting for our kids' rights. Lioness, don't mess with them. <laughs> my mother means almost everything to me. She's 91, she's been there for me all my life. She's implanted Christian values. She's never changed and she's a rock in our life. My favorite person in the world. Everything she did for us was because she loved us so dearly never gave up on us. I miss my mother so much. 
My mother has passed away, but she has uh, been a guiding light in my life still. I talk with her. I, I feel that she's impacted a lot of truth and faith, and um, she always taught me to um, remember that I'm a child of the King. Anything that she could do to help or support, she did it, and she's gone now, but I will love her forever. Despite whatever may get in her way, she'll be there for you. <laughs> a mother is unconditional love. And this is my mom. Oh. And I love her to death. Thank you, thank you. And this is my mother. So if you agree with us that mothers deserve to be celebrated this Mother's Day and every other day, head to rebelnewsstore.com. Check out our new exclusive line just for the rebel mom in your life and use coupon code to save for grandma and mother all together. Ah, uh, yes, Mother's Day, or as the Toronto District School Board would say, that special time of year in May about somebody. Uh, you know what, Tamara, we're going to move on from uh, what we teased before the break, uh, Blackface uh, putting out his uh, pro-choice tweet, because Super Producer Olivia just informed me that this is actually from two weeks ago. He tweeted it yesterday. Gee, why would he tweet it on Wednesday, May 10th? You don't think it had anything to do with the... Um, uh, March for Life on Parliament Hill, do you? Uh, yeah, Blackface has to get the last word in there. He has to be like the proverbial skunk to the garden party. So um, it's old news, folks. Let's move on. I can't stomach any more Blackface right now anyways. But you know who I've always got time for? It's Donald Trump. And wow, Tamara, did you watch that town hall yesterday? It was fascinating. Um, sure didn't go uh, the CNN narrative way, but they don't care. Right now, their ratings are so far into the dumpster. Uh, I guarantee you, without even checking the numbers, this is their highest rated show of the year. I, I would ar argue maybe even in three or four years. And did Trump ever take uh, that woman, uh, Collins, uh, to school? It was. It, I was feeling embarrassed for her. It was like when uh, Elon Musk uh, went up against that uh, jabroni journalist from the BBC and he took him behind the woodshed for making accusations for which he had no proof or facts to support. So why don't we call out, uh, well, um, one of the lines, uh, it pertains to Canada in a way because we are uh, an energy uh, resource rich country, if only blackface would unlock the shackles. But um Trump calling out the stupid fools, that's a direct quote, who are destroying America's energy sector. Check it out. Go back to the audience. We've got Danielle Rieger. She works as an oral surgery assistant. She's a Republican activist from Derry. She was a New Hampshire delegate for uh -huh. you in 2020. What's your question? Hi, thank you so much for coming to New Hampshire thank to you. answer our questions. My question is regarding the economy. Over the past oh, two years, God. we have yeah. seen the prices for everything skyrocket. <laughs> thank you, Danielle. From food to gas to utilities and insurance costs, many people's bills are up several hundred dollars a month, including mine. If elected president again, what is the first thing you would do to help bring down the cost to make things more affordable? Something voters actually drill, care about. baby, yeah. drill. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. We were energy independent. We were soon going to be energy dominant. And nobody had ever done what I did. We got oil down to $1.87. Actually, it fell lower than that in some cases. We had to save the oil companies. The, the, the price was getting so. We were doing incredibly. We had the greatest economy in the history of our country, probably the greatest economy in the history of the world. We were energy independent, soon to be energy dominant. We were going to be bigger than Russia and Saudi Arabia put together times two. We have more liquid gold under our feet than any other nation, any other nation. And these stupid fools ended it. And energy went from $1.87 and even lower for gasoline, for a car. They went from $1.87 to five, six, seven, eight, and even $9. And your electricity bills went through the roof, your heating bills went through the roof. 
And that's what started inflation. And it hasn't stopped because people are paying now for bacon and for eggs and for the two and three times what it was just a little while ago. We created the greatest economy in history. A big part of that economy was I get, got you the biggest tax cuts in the history of our country, bigger than the Reagan cuts, bigger than any cut. And, and also... You know, Tamara, he's so right. If only <laughs> his haters would listen to what Donald Trump has to say and objectively look at his record. During the Donald Trump presidency, we saw inflation and interest rates at generational lows. Energy independence for the first time in more than 70 years, thanks to the miracle that is fracking. Uh, we saw unemployment levels at record lows, including unemployment levels for such categories as women and visible minorities, such as blacks, Asians, and Hispanics. And um, the exclamation mark, I think, on the, uh, the Trump administration is this, uh, Tamara, the world was a lot safer place. You know, we had peace erupting in the Middle East with the Abraham Accords. We didn't have any talk about Putin invading Ukraine. We didn't see China flexing its military muscles. And now look at the world we're in. And, and Donald Trump was the opposite of a hawkish president. Uh, he was not getting involved in wars. He took out some vile, evil terrorists, which, of course, the left uh, criticized them for calling uh, terrorists like Soleimani uh, scholars, if you can imagine. But all those reasons I gave you, these are <clears throat> irrefutable facts. And I thought that was a brilliant performance. Uh, I bet uh, CNN is happy because finally, uh, for one day this year, they were relevant. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think you really covered all of the topics and the the key points here that you are that are to say about Donald Trump and I I think that the general public has really started to see the tangible ripple effect and the ways that someone like that their presidency changed their life versus now uh, at the way people like the uh, dementia fatigued, President Joe Biden is instituting and treating the economy of the United States, which is basically just putting it into the negative. And that has a direct effect on us here in Canada. And so while we have seen the reign of terror of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau for the last eight years and counting, um, the policies instituted in the United States directly reflected and, and affected also how we approached energy in the sector and our costs. Um, so I would love to see nothing more than someone more fiscally responsible, just like jo Donald Trump had been and will commit to being, should he be elected again, because the way things are going is, you know, the government always talks about sustainability and they mean, I guess, in terms of protecting the earth and the environment, but uh, I, I want to see some sustainability in terms of the economy and people's individual ability to be gainful in the economy and to simply make ends meet. I mean, I don't think that that is asking a lot to just be able to survive um, and keep your head above water because the way things are going now, it is absolutely decimating the, the middle class, the, anyone who makes minimum wage. I honestly don't know how anyone that makes minimum wage survives, especially if you have children, um, something has to give soon. And I hope it would be a change up in the leadership of either nation. Um, but Donald Trump certainly has, you know, that business minded, he has that business mind that to, to go back to and to base his policies off of, which seems to work really well uh, for the past few years until Biden ruined it all. 100%. And I would argue, uh, Tamara, that next year's election in the U.S. Uh, might be one of the most important elections in U.S. history. You would think that so often it boils down to it's the economy, stupid. Americans are hurting from coast to coast to coast. And I think that should be uh, Biden's downfall. I, well, to tell you the truth, I can't see him uh, running for re-election. You know, it the next election is an eternity away in political uh, terms, but I uh, I just don't see it happening, uh, given his 
current performance and his abysmal popularity ratings. Uh, they're about as low as CNN's ratings. And uh, getting back to CNN, let, let's uh, catch Donald Trump schooling Caitlin Collins, who was the moderator who was, it was just appalling. Uh, it was one loaded question after another. And when she wasn't satisfied with the answer, she would pester Trump. But uh, Trump didn't bend the knee. Check out this clip, folks. Speaking of New York, I want to ask about a significant verdict that was reached yesterday. I know this is something you want to weigh in on as well. Manhattan jury found that sure. you sexually abused the writer E. Jean Carroll and defamed her. You've denied this. But what do you say to voters who say it disqualifies you from being president? Well, there aren't too many of them because my poll numbers just came out. They went up. <laughs> OK. <laughs> I think I'm, I think I'm. I'm the only person in history who had a charge like that. And the, usually you, you leave office, you say, I'm sorry, but I'm going to back home. I'm back home to my family and everything. I'm going to be resigned. My poll numbers went up and they went up with the other fake charge, too, because what's happening is they're doing this for election interference. This woman, I don't know her. I never met her. I have no idea who she is. I had a picture taken years ago with her and her husband, nice guy, John Johnson. He was a newscaster, a very nice man. She called him an ape. Happens to be African-American. Called him an ape. The judge wouldn't allow us to put that in. Her dog or her cat was named Vagina. The judge wouldn't allow it to put that in. All of these things. He but with her, they can put in anything. Access this Hollywood. This was a jury of nine people who found right. you liable of sexual abuse. Do you think that, that that will deter women from voting for you? No, I don't think so because I... You know, Tamara, it's so funny, I think, in a perverse way, how the Me Too movement narrative goes on and off depending on what political stripe you bear. Uh, she's on about these allegations uh, with President Trump. He can't take his explanation as a valid answer. And yet, who mourns for uh, Tara Reid? Why did she never get her day in court uh, regarding her sexual assault uh, allegations regarding uh, uh, Joe Biden? Um, Oh, I get it. Yeah, one's a Republican and one's a Democrat. So me too, like I said, it seems to have an on-off switch in America when it comes to the mainstream media, don't you think? Well, the Me Too movement and also the My Body, My Choice movement, this, yeah. is, this is more hypocrisy of the left and these individuals who just kind of fall in line to support the current thing instead of actually um being based on you know principled moral stances they're just going with whatever the flavor of the day is um but i love that that trump always makes it known that there's more to the story here that the everything that you're you know the whole story hasn't been put out in the public and there are things that the judges wouldn't accept and there are anomalies there are nuance and you don't hear about that in these news reports yeah. and the mainstream media chooses to ignore some of those nuances which are very they 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 very much contextualize the entire situation, um, and so by leaving out those little bits of nuance, then you miss the bigger picture of what's really going on. And so whenever you hear him speak, you can see that that he points that out. And then um, if you're a critically thinking citizen, you can say, "Hey, wait a minute, what does he mean by that? I'm going to look further." Or maybe not. Um, but that's something that I always kind of pick out from the way he responds to things is that there's a lot of nuance that doesn't make its way into the mainstream. And that's really concerning when you're trusting at least uh, maybe hopefully less of the population at this point, but when you used to trust that the media would give you the, the full picture and the full story and kind of put the information out there and let you form your own opinions instead of just being a parrot for the opinion that you're supposed to have. And Collins was a parrot for all the mainstream media talking points. And I think we don't have a clip of this, but I urge our viewers to source it. It was regarding the Russia-Ukraine war. And it was Collins incessantly trying to get Donald Trump to pick a side. Whose side are you on, Russia or Ukraine? And the president answered it beautifully. He said, had I been in office at this time, this war would not have happened. I have a good relationship with Zelensky and Putin, and this n would never have occurred. There are thousands dead on each side, and this war wouldn't happen. Oh, no, no, but even so, uh, uh, whose side are you on? Who's, uh, is it Ukraine? Is it Russia? <laughs> I mean, 
I don't know. Is she auditioning for uh, the next time there's a um, a spot opening on The View? Or as I call it, what of you? Um, is, is that what's going on here, Tamara? Yeah, it could very well be. Um, <laughs> I see that we still have one topic to get to, and there's a super chat. But before we do that, we're going to move on to leader of the opposition in Canada, Pierre Polyev, next. But we want to share with you a fun initiative that has been launched by the Democracy Fund. So we have a quick ad to share, and then we'll come back for our last segment before we uh, tune out until tomorrow. Today, many journalists are really just advocates for woke ideology. They don't report the facts and they simply don't care about our fundamental freedoms. Well, we're doing something about that. What happens when the journalists themselves are really bought and paid for by the government? Can they possibly criticize the government freely? The law will be society if the need for independent news. We don't push back the other way all the time. I think that that is the key is to push back and call them up and box. Everyone kind of wants to be a YouTuber or a media star these days or whatever. And people always ask me, you know, well, how, how do you do it? What do you do? What's the secret? All that stuff. No matter what type of journalism you're doing, whether you're doing the advocacy journalism that Robbie does, whether you're doing the investigative reporting that Sheila does, uh, some of the Gonzo journalism that David Menzies does, or whether you're working in fiction, like CBC. No matter what, you are telling a story. Oh, great. It's very informative. I learned a lot of stuff. I took so many notes, so it's definitely, it's definitely good to, to, to be here. I'm really appreciating the, uh, the diversity of the speakers. They all contribute really specific uh, details on what to do as an aspiring journalist. It's been absolutely mind-blowing. Uh, from start to finish. Firstly, beautiful hall. Uh, we've been stuffed. Uh, it's like Thanksgiving dinner every night. So that's amazing. Um, and the only thing that beats that are, are the people, the people around us, the company, um, some amazing and unique individuals. The journalism conference has been great. Um, I met many prominent figures in this field and I got great advice. It was a really good um, conference. Very good to meet all the lovely people here um, to get some inspiration and some experience. Our speakers, oh my gosh, they've been absolutely stupendous. I've uh, been learning so much. So grateful to have been invited to come. Thank you. Well, you know, Tamara, yeah, so let me tell a... you, I was at that conference last summer. And I want to say that, you know, we often poke fun at the kids on campus, you know, with their safe spaces and their gender pronoun protocols and what have you. But let me tell you something. Those kids I met last summer, they were fantastic. They restored my faith in the youth of Canada. And on the flip side, let me tell you something. When I was going to Ryerson Journalism School or whatever they call Ryerson now, um, if there was a conference like this, when I was going through the journalism program, I would have given my right arm to be part of that and also the potential of uh, getting on as a job, uh, getting a job out of this conference. So to me, that was the absolute epitome of win-win. Yeah, and we uh, have posted a link um, in the chat. So if you're looking for more information on the conference itself, you can go there. There, but it is running from August 11th to 13th this year. It's being hosted in Toronto at the Novotel Hotel. Um, and uh, for applicants and people who the 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for here? But the the people who would be chosen to attend the conference, it's at no cost to you. So for this weekend, all expenses paid. You get to hear from you know, key names in the realm of independent media, including Ezra Levant, Sheila Gunn-Reed, Andrew Lawton. Uh, you can check out the whole lineup for yourself there, and I'm sure more to come. But um, the theme this year is fighting censorship. And so mm. as we see the Trudeau liberals push through and ram through these sweeping censorship pieces of legislation, 
the uh, the regulation of internet and content generation. I think that this is a key area that's going to be of the utmost importance moving forward for independent media. And I mean, you even have the CBC saying, expressing concerns over this legislation and these ambiguously awarded powers to the Canadian radio and television broadcasting uh, corporation. So I think the theme is spot on. And um, I would urge people who are interested, so you have to be between the ages of 18 to 30. Otherwise, uh, you have to speak English and otherwise be interested in journalism and have a knack for some critical thinking and an ability to to conduct research. Um, So if you're wondering and you think that you might be a good fit here, then head on over to that link and apply. And um, who knows, maybe you'll see David again and maybe even myself. Yeah. And by the way, uh, Tamara, one housekeeping note, given what you just said, you mentioned the Novotel Hotel. Make sure all you out-of-towners, you pick the right Novotel Hotel. One of the Novotel Hotels in Hogtown, well, that's um, housing the city's homeless. We're not at that Uh one. (laughs) It's the other one, okay? Just in case any kind of mix-up occurs. I think if you apply and you're approved that you will have all the details, the correct details forwarded your way. Yeah, you don't want to end up at the safe injection site. Yeah, just, I'm just all I'm saying, Tamara, just make sure your cab driver or your Uber driver knows exactly where to bring you once you get off that plane. Uh, now, you mentioned uh, Pierre Polyev. Uh, once yes. again, uh, rocking it in the House of Commons. And I think this is on carbon taxes, uh, if I if I remember correctly. Uh, another one, which is due, I think, in July. Yeah, happy birthday, Canada, from Blackface. Another jump at the pumps and uh, at other places. So let's hear what Mr. Polyev had to say. Doesn't he park his plane, cancel the hypocrisy, and ax the tax? The right honorable prime minister. Mr. Trudeau, uh, Mr. Speaker. Oh my goodness. Uh, like Canadians <laughs> all across the country, they are deeply Order. Order. I don't think I have to remind the members not to use proper names. Doesn't he part? Wow, that was embarrassing. It was almost as embarrassing once upon a time, uh, Tamara, when um, Justin called Pierre Fidel uh, for some reason. I I can't imagine why. Uh, What's your take on that? I mean, first and foremost, like, uh, what an idiot, honestly. Do you forget who you are in the House of Commons and what what you're doing? I mean, this, this just epitomizes the leadership we have in Canada when our own leader doesn't even know that he <laughs> he's the person speaking. He's not addressing himself. But although I guess that's a an odd piece of, um, oh, again, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, irony, perhaps, maybe not quite irony, but uh, where he's addressing the speaker as himself. And so maybe you could read between the lines on that one. But I would have loved to hear an actual answer, although I doubt that that would actually happen in the House of Commons with the Liberals. They just politispeak and talk around any sort of issue. There's never a direct yes or no or a direct answer or any way to garner any sort of accountability in the House of Commons. It's really a sad laughingstock of um, Canadian political theater. But, you know, Tamara, as speaker, you're supposed to be as nonpartisan as you possibly can. Supposed, this, yeah, supposed yeah, to be. This current speaker is a disgrace. He should yeah. step down. Last week, uh, I, I, I'm sure you recall, uh, he cut uh, Mr. Polyev's mic when uh, he was asking uh, too many insensitive questions. I don't ever remember that. The leader of the official opposition being cut off uh, like that. And I mm-hmm. even heard Dan McTague himself a liberal MP of 18 years, Tamara, condemning this speaker and demanding that he step down from that role. And that's a liberal saying that. So I can see why Blackface got confused that he is the speaker because the speaker seems to be his little lapdog these days. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's exactly what I was alluding to. But, you know, Polyev is resounding really what Trump said in that previous clip where, you know, park the tax, park your private jet, get the Canadian economy, the oil and gas sector, which we have a breadth of natural resources at our disposal, get us energy independent, bring those costs down, 
what are you doing? And he's just yep. so confused in the house that he doesn't even know who he is or who he's addressing. So um, that's really sad and really highlights the state, again, of our political theater here and, in Canada. And Tamara, as I've always said, there is a way out with dignity regarding the tar carbon taxes for the uh, Trudeau liberals. And it's simply this. Look, we strongly believe that man-made climate change is a thing. We strongly believe it's up to us to try to do whatever we can to save the planet. However, at this time, when Canadians are out of work, dealing with inflation, can't handle the mortgage payments, this is not the time for a carbon mm -hmm. tax. This is not the time for an increase in the carbon tax. This is not the time for an additional carbon tax to kick in in July. But when things return to a resemblance of normal, then we can talk about the uh, Greta Thunberg agenda. Why can't they say that, Tamara? I think that's a win-win well, for them. 100%. And also, where is that tax money going that it's actually yeah. cooling the earth, if that's the issue, right? If the, the earth is, is overheating and we need to cool it. Um, I'm not sure how a tax brings any of that down. And these liberals can't seem to attest to how effective a tax is at cooling the earth. So um, does the does the carbon tax even make sense? Where's that money going? And how? what is the tangible evidence that throwing money at the earth's warming is going to cool it? It just doesn't oh, well, make any Tamara, sense. Well, Tamara, I can tell you exactly where it's going. Because twas ever thus for decades and decades, with all the taxes on a liter of gasoline, and once upon a day, a time, or rather, uh, a gallon of gasoline, um, I think we're up to a point where more than one-third the cost is various taxes. And those taxes were always earmarked for maintaining roads and the creation of new roads and highways. But guess what happened en route to the Treasury, Tamara Ugolini, regarding all those gasoline taxes? Yeah, they went into that great abyss known as general revenues, okay? So all the money you and I and all our viewers as motorists pay in gasoline taxes, it never went to where it was uh, supposed to go. And I would bet you it's the same deal with these carbon taxes. It's just going into general revenues, in which case they're just gonna spend it on some new wackadoodle uh, project like, I don't know, um, Foreign or Global Affairs conducting um, sex with semin uh, with sex with senior seminars. I'm not making <laughs> that up. <laughs> Check out Franco Terrazano's recent piece on that one. So yeah, I'm very skeptical that even these blackface liberals believe their own narrative that this money is needed to save the planet. I bet you that money is just going into that bottomless pit called general revenues. Yeah, well, it goes into also ensuring that they have their yearly salary increases and further bloating of the bureaucracy that's grown. I don't even know what percent under Justin Trudeau, but it is astronomical. And, and Franco Terrazano from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation uh, has work on that file. So uh, we're five minutes over here. We have one super chat that I can see left. I'm not sure if there are any more. It's from our Capital Locks loving Fraser McBurney. He gives $5. Thank you, Frazier. There was a time that Canadians... Oh, so this is related back to the um, passports. There was a time that Canadians crossed the US border by saying, I'm Canadian. As a Canadian, I crossed back into Canada. I have nothing to declare. Gone are the days of freedom. Yeah, but I can tell you on that note, Fraser, as of midnight tonight, uh, the VAX restrictions are officially gone. So you can indeed... Uh, drive across the Peace Bridge into New York State, and the uh, uh, the border guards are not going to ask you for your private medical information. And if you don't fit the bill, they're not going to turn you back. So uh, we'll take our little victories wherever we can get them. Eh, Tamara? Well, I think that Fraser was saying that back in his time um, when he was younger, that you didn't have to show anything, not even a passport. You could just say, I'm Canadian and oh. I want to come over to the United States. And no one asked any other questions. A hundred percent. I remember those days. I remember first going over that Peace Bridge uh, to see uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, play in the arena of pain, which I call whatever they call the uh, the Buffalo Sabres um, <laughs> arena. Uh, the Leafs always lose and lose badly there. 
Um, but yeah, we were high school students when we first went over. I don't even think I showed my driver's license. But we do live in a post 9-11 era, uh, Tamara. So those days are gone. And believe me, they're not coming back. In fact, as you referred to at the beginning of the show, uh, maybe enhanced digital monitoring of our whereabouts um, mm -hmm. with the, the kind of governments that we have in power right now. So, yeah, those were the good old days. Anyhow, well, Tamara, th thank you so much uh, once again uh, for uh, co-hosting. I'm so glad you were able to not endure the horror of the 401. <laughs> <laughs> I hate the traffic. My goodness, it's terrible. I actually applauded the lockdowns in a sense. I mean, they were awful and decimating and and never again would I would I ever, I mean, comply, let alone cheerlead that on. I think it was terrible. But the lack of traffic, just the complete ghost town that the roads were at that time, um, it made traveling anywhere a breeze if you could stop if you could get in to, to a place, if anywhere was even open. Um, so I always kind of channel back what it was like two years ago when the highways were just a, a breeze and there was no traffic, no congestion. Um, that was, I think, probably the only upside of the lockdowns. Oh, I'll never forget those days, uh, Tamara. And to dial it back to our original discussion, this being National Twilight Zone Day, those days reminded me of the Twilight Zone episode, Where Have All the People Gone?, I mean, I couldn't believe it. Uh, the Don Valley Parkway at rush hour mm -hmm. was moving at over the limit, uh, like the identification process crossing the border. Those days are gone too, and they're not coming back. But given the misery so many people endured uh, over the pandemic, uh, the fact that the highways were moving, uh, it wasn't a, uh, a worthwhile trade-off, I would argue. No. So, But yeah, no. thank you for reminding me of that. So, And thank again for uh, jumping in. Thank you, of course, to super producers Olivia and Ephraim behind the boards. Uh, thank you to all our viewers, especially those of you who made a financial donation. We really appreciate that. Uh, tomorrow, it'll be, no, I'm not here. It's Sheila and um, Mr. Seuss, I believe. He's back on duty. It's an all-Alberta report. Yeah, Efren kind of put me out to pasture on Fridays for some reason. That's okay. I don't hold a grudge. But anyways, uh, Sheila and company always bring it. In the meantime, folks, as always, stay safe and stay sane. <laughs>